welcome to episode 41 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl Rosane. And I'm Alex Rosane. Here we are on October 14th, uh, the Sunday before the regular season starts, and we're going to check in to make our official prediction for the number of wins we'll have this year, kind of compare it to what we predicted last year, how we did last year, and see how the roster's coming together, some observations from the preseason and things like that. Yeah, and I thought we would start by just um, copying off of us some other people. Let's let's say what uh, what other people are saying about the Pistons. What's the pulse of the the buzz around the league? We we've had a real um, whipsaw the last few years um, in, in expectations of, for the Pistons, even though we've won about the same number of games every year for the past few years. A couple years ago, people thought we were going to be the surprise darling and win in the upper forties. Uh, and then last year, people said we win 38, and we barely beat that. Uh, this year, pe- there's a middle-of-the-road projection again. Uh, Vegas is saying 37.5 wins. Uh, Bill Simmons picks the under on us. His buddy Joe House picks the over. Um, Kevin Pelton's numerical projection says 39 wins. So everyone just has us uh, you know, th- sticking to exactly what we've done the last couple of years. Um, and I don't know. That's kind of interesting. We made some big changes to our roster with getting Blake Griffin and everything, and yet everyone's just saying the results going to be the same. Yeah, I think the one point I want to make about some of that is how I, I think the the biggest problem we faced in the past few years that has caused us to underachieve is how vulnerable we were to losing Reggie Jackson, who's like a league average starting point guard but yet our our best playmaker, meaning he can individually break down the other team's defense and, and lead to opportunities for everybody else. He's been injured a lot, so we just look really bad. Everybody's individual offensive win shares uh, to, that you can sum up. In fact, actually, Alex, why don't you just quickly describe, you, you did just that. If you literally add up individual win, offensive win shares for our team, you end up with... 39 and a half wins. Exactly and, what, it, yeah. And that's, that's uh, saying everyone did... Exactly how they did last year, but I adjust their minutes. And then I, you know, bump young guys up a little bit and bump older guys on the decline of their career down a little bit. And I just guess how many minutes everyone's going to play. And it just ends up being the freaking same as Kevin Pelton's uh, projection and uh, the same as our win total last year. And, and every year we make optimistic reasons why we could be better than that. And then we get injuries and we end up being about as bad as predicted. But the point I was going to make is that um, – when we're when you're that vulnerable to lack of playmaking, it brings down everybody's contribution. Uh, by bringing in Blake Griffin and you know um, losing Tobias Harris, who it was one of our most efficient players, I think that ends up being kind of a a wash by some estimates because of of some of the construction changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you know Tobias Harris was not a playmaker. He, uh, he he's really good if he's able to kind of be on the wing ready to, to shoot an open three or, you know, pump fake and cut to the basket. But by being less vulnerable and having more playmaking I, and having some of the, the maturation of people like, um, you know, Kennard, uh, our second year, who was our rookie last year, I could just see everyone, like the, our offense opening up a lot. And we saw, we, we saw that in the last preseason game against the Cavs where we shot 45% from three, uh, I, I don't want to look into that too much, but we shot like 45 threes, made a lot of them, and just blew out the Cavs. And everybody started looking great. I mean, Reggie Jackson was playing off the ball. He didn't have to carry all the load. He could make open threes. Um, 
and you know just everyone got better shots and it just looked better so uh and and the opposite happens when we didn't have reggie jackson we would pass the ball around no one could actually break down the defense they could just stick to their assignments and contest all of our threes and we ended up being a bad offensive team so that's what that that's the one reason why i could make a, a like a, a point to us being better than the sum of our parts yeah they- I think actually last season showed a lot what uh, how there's a lot of nuance built into these, either the Vegas projections or somebody saying a one number for a predicted win total. Because last year we had half of a great season where we were going to be not just the eighth seed, but even better. And then we had half of a lottery team season. And then together they ended up beating the Vegas projection by one win. Um, and, and it was all about the stuff Carl was just talking about, the whether we have a playmaker, whether we have a guy who can get penetration from the outside, disrupt the defense. Um, and so I'm sure we have some wild swings in the season ahead of us. Um, you yeah. know, but the other teams have, some have gotten better, some have gotten worse. The Cavs drop out of the playoffs. Um, you know, Vegas actually has us, even though it's a disappointing 37 and a half wins, worse than last year, they have us be in the eighth seed, uh, which is really interesting. Yeah, the the what's inter- yeah, that's interesting in part because the East is way stronger this year. There's there's projected to be five teams above 45 wins, and I think it just it, it tails off so severely that you know by by with 37 and a half wins we're two two wins better than the ninth projected Charlotte 35 and a half wins, and then going down to 10 the Cavs at 30, and then 11 Atlanta at 23 and a half, and beyond and, you know and, and so on. So we're we benefit from like a really weak lower half of the East. Um, but I don't know. So where, where do you think that we could end up there? Uh, like our, in our, in our best season. Um, like wh- I think we kind of covered this a little bit last podcast where we kind of broke it down by like the sum of different scenarios, but like if everything goes right. well with these odds in front of us and knowing that like the bucks are projected to win 46 wins now and Giannis looking like a complete monster in the preseason, uh, in Indiana, who was just surprisingly really good last year with Oladipo being like a all-star and a kind of all-NBA caliber player. I mean, we have to be better than like Miami Wizards, Bucks, Indiana to like to have that goal that Blake Griffin said of being having home court in the East. That sounds pretty daunting. Yeah, that was interesting. Just it was. It looked like it was in practice or in the locker room after a preseason game where he said that 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 should be our our goal that we're that good. You know, that's interesting. You know, I don't think that that's out of the question. Um, looking at, you know, just my my dumb numerical projection with the offensive win shares is 39.5. Okay, that last year that same projection said 37. So we're kind of at a raw, like, gross numbers level, a couple wins better. But I also just kind of do a best-case scenario where I start with that, and then I take a few players and think about what their maximum possible output is. Or maximum, like, realistic, not, you know, Donovan Mitchell turns out to be Dwayne Wade from the 12th pick. Sorry to bring up a sore subject. That's his fan. <laughs> okay. um, and, you know, I I get to 53 wins as, as possible there, which is better than I thought last time. When we talked about this last time, what's our peak? I thought it was 50. Um, and 53 wins, 50 to 53 wins, if everyone else beats their Vegas odds, that makes us the fourth seed. Um, so I think there's a there's a world in which we are the fourth seed. I don't think there's any world in which we're the we're any higher than that. Yeah, I, th- I think you could say, oh, 
the Sixers might have an injury, but that if the Sixers end up not being the third seed, it's just as likely that like the Bucks end up, you know, really overachieving and being the third seed instead. I agree that right. even being a homer and trying to be the like get as excited as possible, I would I would cap us at essentially the fourth seed as our highest hopes. Right. It, and so let me just say what would have to happen for us to get above fifty wins into that that area. What, what do I have in mind when I have these best case scenarios? Then you know maybe we can touch on the worst case scenarios. Um, so starting with our our base case, and then we bump up Andre Drummond a little bit to being as good as peak DeAndre Jordan from a couple of years, which he achieved a couple of years with twelve win shares. That seems possible. He Andre Drummond is uh, could be as good as as peak DeAndre Jordan if he does all the things we've been hoping, plays within himself eliminates one or two terrible hook shots per game. And as you said before, Carl, the rest of our offense is running well enough that he doesn't feel that pressure to do that. He could be a little more efficient, and it could work. Um, Stanley Johnson uh, just improves slightly to, to, to being, like, okay instead of bad in terms of numbers. Let's say he's as good as, like, Yogi Ferrell or Wesley Matthews uh, of Dallas last year. Just, like, serviceable starter. Um, uh, let's say Luke Kennard, uh, improves a little bit and is, is good as, uh, DeLon Wright was on the Toronto Raptors last year. He has four win shares in limited minutes, uh, which you can see if he's getting a lot of open shots and he's not, doesn't have the rookie kind of. Wait, can we pause for a second and do you, do you understand what goes into being a win share for a player? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. For, for offense, it's, um, it has, it has to do with your usage rate. Um, how many possessions you you use versus how many um, points you score, offensive rebounds you get, assists you get, how many possessions you waste with turnovers. And then there's a way to compare it to the league average and say an average player, if a team is full of average players, they'll have 41 wins. So And then you, you split that into offensive and defensive halves. The defensive version of win shares is garbage because it's mostly based on, like, um, you know, defensive rebounds are evidence that the other team has missed a shot, but it has no way of connecting the guy who got the rebound to the person who caused the the miss. Yeah. But so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, win shares isn't the best. It's like... It's it's not all we got. We can do a little better with some of the plus minus stats that 538.com and ESPN do, but it's yeah. something that's really easy to slap together in a spreadsheet, and it's okay. Well, doing this as exercise for three years now and summing them up actually has been pretty good. It, it has. Um, <laughs> Sadly. So, you know, Luke, and then Reggie Jackson um, improves to as good as his last year in OKC, but not as good as his, like, peak year with the Pistons. That, that would have to happen for us to get above 50. Um, uh, John Luer comes back to be serviceable. Let's say he's as good as Costa Kofus was for backing up uh, on Sacramento last year, mm-hmm. which he has done in his career. Um, Henry Ellenson is comes close to being an average NBA player in limited minutes. You know, he adds like one more win. But then the main thing is Blake Griffin adds a couple wins as good as his last non-injured Clippers season, but he, which he did not reach last year in combined Clippers and Pistons duty. So that's a big thing is like, is he on the decline or is, can he stay 
at that like lower than his absolute winning the dunk contest peak. Oh, and by the way, did Glenn Robinson factor into this at all? He he did. I just said he did um, about the same this year as he did last year for Indiana, which would put him at that like a little above that level. I'm hoping Stanley Johnson gets to a little below where I'm hoping Luke Kennard gets to. Okay. So just like a serviceable bench rotation guy. Yeah, because I'm looking at him with more hope than Henry Ellenson, just by the way. But uh, Yeah, the, let's ignore the Henry Ellenson one. I, I, I was just playing around there. So, so you can see these are all like... These are all things that are not pie in the sky. They're like, if things break right, if Dwayne Casey has some sort of breakthrough with them, if having Blake Griffin healthy and practicing with the team for a full training camp leads to a little bit more open looks for everybody. And probably the single biggest factor is Reggie Jackson plays a full season, close to 30 minutes a game, you know, only misses a handful of games, and has production only a little below his peak. That's just everything right there. That like adds. That's like four wins, I think. Um, and I don't know if that's realistic or not, but yeah, that's so, what it would take. Yeah, so to have that would be to get up to fifty-four, fifty-three, fifty-three wins. wins. So that's not crazy talk. No, it, yeah, no. it's just not likely. We'd have to get very lucky for that to happen. I think part of the. I, I think it. You can expect there to be injuries on any roster. Yep. And part of the reason why we've been so bad is that we. We're relying on an unrealistic scenario of Reggie Jackson always being healthy. Let's just assume that he's going to miss some games and that Blake Griffin's going to miss some games. I think that as long as they don't coincide together, we'll be we won't take such a such a big dive when that happens. And if you look at some of the last seasons where you split up, uh, we kind of break down like where we rank in the league for different periods of the season when 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 different things happen like when we trade for someone or when someone goes down in in different parts of previous seasons we've actually been a top 10 team for for windows where everyone's healthy it could be a fluke but and then but then when reggie was injured we were like just awful and and just would completely like you know we'd lose like 80 percent of our games for like 15 games or something like that so yeah what, what my hope is that we, we we have to ride some we don't have any catastrophic injuries but let's say reggie jackson and Blake Griffin both play 60 games this year and they, and they, those, there's only five where they're both out or something. Then we, then we're able to sort of like, you know, tread water a little bit better against the, especially against, against the bottom half of the East and, you know, end up with more like, I don't know, like 45 wins in in a, in a more realistic high scenario. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's something where every fan base could talk themselves into stuff like this. The, these Vegas odds, they take into account all the scenarios. There are some equally bad scenarios, like, you know, Reggie and Blake, or, I mean, uh, Andre and Blake, like, don't get along, or they find that they, they want to be in the same spots on the floor. Reggie Jackson plays half a season and then gets hurt. Blake Griffin misses 15 games with some fluke injury. Um, uh, Stanley Johnson doesn't improve at all and is frustrated by that and wants to get a contract so he shoots more and, and you know there's all kinds of crap that could go wrong and so there, it, or even something like Reggie Bullock being out for the season could surprisingly hurt us a lot because he's like yes. a cornerstone of a really good three-point shooter yeah um, it, exa- that's exactly the type of thing and so you know it's probably just as likely this 53 win scenario is probably just as likely as like a 32 win scenario yeah. which would just be horrendous uh, we, we and as we've mentioned a couple of times here, the reason that's so horrendous is that 
we're locked into this team for this season and next season without we could make some kind of lateral trade, you know, trading Andre Drummond for someone on a similar contract with similar talent. But like the next time we can really remake the roster is in two years when we're when we'll have like fifty million dollars of salary coming off the books. Yeah. Um so let's Let's just, like, not talk about that 32-win scenario <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the teams ahead of us. I mean, I noticed that, like, if you look at that last preseason game versus the Cavs, we looked really good, but it's the Cavs, and Kevin Love wasn't even playing. Yep. So we also, like, looked kind of bad against the Wizards and lost to them. Um, it just, when we were watching that game, John Wall had a really good game, and it just kind of seemed like we were outclassed by their talent. And that's not a great sign because the, they're they're basically narrowly ahead of us. Like the Wizards are kind of like the team that we would need to be better than to have an exciting season this year. But can we really say like if they're healthy, if both Beal and Wall have a, are healthy and have good seasons, can, can we really? I mean, we'd have to be firing on all cylinders to be better than them. Well, our ace in the hole there is that they also now have Dwight Howard, who <laughs> yes, yes, seems to make teams worse now. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think that um, John Wall was amazing two years ago and was kind of bad last year. And so it's it's in terms of efficiency. So the hope we have of being better than them is basically that John Wall, whatever his issues are, are chronic like knee soreness or something that will, will never go away. Um, if he is like MVP candidate John Wall from two years ago, I think that we have to look elsewhere for hope of, of moving up in the rankings. I mean, another place we could look is Indiana. They surprised everybody. They were they were also projected to be in the mid-30s, and they blew the doors off the place. Um, in Would they win 40-something? Uh, they're projected to win 47 this year. They won 48 wins last year. Yeah, and, yeah. and Vic, a lot of it was Victor Oladipo just was a new man. He had some sort of offseason getting serious about getting in shape routine and and all this stuff that, that helped. And they had some surprises. You know, Devonta Sabonis turned out to, to be better than they uh, had any right to hope, I, I guess. Um, well, he was a lottery pick, so I guess everyone hopes. But they got him in the Paul George trade. And even with Miles Turner having kind of a disappointing season, they still did really well. They were really good on defense. They beat bad teams. They tried hard. They tried hard. Um, and... Um, their coach, Nate McMillan, by the way, is the guy Joe Dumars wanted to hire, uh, but we hired Lawrence Frank instead at uh, Tom Gore's insistence. Um, anyway, um, so I don't know what to make of that. They added Tyreek Evans, who had an amazing year last year, so they could go up. But if, you know, there's just this this feeling that a team that really overachieved last year, maybe they'll mean revert a little bit. Yeah. And maybe, like, they only – they can't keep that – perfect attitude in check and Oladipo will rest on his laurels a little bit. And they're more like a 43 win talent team. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, but I think Indiana last year is like the story that every mediocre NBA team clings to that you like, Hey, well, we'll just unexpectedly be way better than everyone thinks we are. But, um, that, that doesn't happen that often. Yeah. You look at Indiana's roster and you look at our roster and we could absolutely be as good as them if things break right. Yeah. Um, now the Bucks, they have the, they have this weird team because they have Antetokounmpo, who's like this unbelievable freakish monster of a player, um, and yet, yeah. But they have Eric Bledsoe, who's very talented, but somehow nobody likes him. 
and Chris Middleton is very good too. And then the rest of their players are just like, just really uh, lackluster. They got Brooke Lopez. You know, he'll be he'll add some three point shooting, but he he's the the, the odd um, specimen of a a seven foot plus center who gets like less than six rebounds per game. So like, I don't know what's going on there. But he, he plays he plays smart defense, and he's a solid player. You know, like I I would say that. He's slow-footed, but yeah, he's a veteran. He, he's not out of position. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, so who knows? But I mean, um, but I, I think that I, I just have this feeling that you know Giannis could end up having like he could just be so good that he kind of just wills his team to be better than us. Uh, like just he, he like so unstoppable that he breaks things down so much that he just becomes closer to like LeBron and the Cavs last year, where he just. Gets gets his own or opens up an easy shot for someone else all the time, and uh, we'll we'll see. But that's just sort of like a, a hunch that I haven't researched too much. Um, you know, one, another thing that just came to mind that for us to get hopeful about is that this is the first. You know, and I've been reading the Athletic uh, their their coverage um, of the Pistons leading up to the season, and, and they had a piece on Blake Griffin's off season. We mentioned this last episode a little bit too, where. You know, this is this is the first off season he's had fully healthy in like three or four years, I think. Yeah, and and uh, and you know, he obviously was doing all the things that NBA players do. You can tell a story about how he's going to take a level up in his playmaking or decision making. He was supposedly focusing on making quicker decisions, reading scenarios more quickly, not holding the ball as much, which sounds good. But you know, is there a chance that he actually is better than his last se- full season? With the Clippers, is that really getting too hopeful? Uh, just just by having health running into the season, not having to kind of play catch up. Yes, there is a chance of that because if he, if um, what he was doing that year didn't rely that as much on athleticism, and he was playing with Chris Paul, who had the ball a lot more, and if he, there's something in him that can unlock when he's the main, you know, when he's the man. Uh, it is possible that he is as good or better as he was during his last full season with the Clippers. Um, I don't think there's a chance that he's as good as he was in the four years before that, where he was like, you know, second team All NBA MVP candidate Blake Griffin. But um, yeah, I think I think he could, you know, be an All Star starter in the best case scenario. Yeah, so that would be very. Uh, that's of course the, the hopes that we were, had when we made the trade for him, but. I mean, I also think that, like, Bill Simmons just doesn't think he's the same anymore. And it, you can write it off as him just lazily dismissing the Pistons' mediocrity. But he also, like, has season tickets to the Clippers games and, like, has seen play, has probably watched a lot of Blake Griffin basketball. So that's a little bit nerve wracking to have just sort of an expert gut opinion about that. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not that he's some sort of. God or something like that, but just like between Vegas and Kevin Pelton and Bill Simmons, all the like sort of the three different ways of looking at it. We don't know what Bob Volgaris would say because he's uh, now works for the Dallas Mavericks, which is kind of cool for them. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm getting a bad feeling about this. Um, I still maintain that at our at our best, we're a you know possibly a, a, a fourth, fifth, sixth seed quality team and it, we're just we have to like sacrifice a ram to the injury gods or something like that to try to have well, the season be good 
to me, what, what makes it possible is not just the sheer talent or something of like, you know, we're not going to expect Blake Griffin to be like a, you know, that kind of player, like I was just mentioning where he's, yeah. he wills us to being great, but we have if we have more playmaking through him and combination of him and Reggie Jackson to break down the defense, then we, you look around our roster and you have, you know, even like Langston Galloway, like looked pretty good in the preseason when he had more open, uh, good looks at three. He's a good three point shooter. Luke Kennard's a good three point shooter. Glenn Robinson's a good three point shooter. Um, Reggie Jackson, you know, Ish Smith actually was very low attempts, but pretty efficient last year. And, and he's apparently worked on three pointers all off season. So if we end up being a team that just plays the right way to construct, you know, shooting 40 high quality threes per game, or like, you know, mostly high quality shooting 40 plus per percentage, uh, you know, we, we try hard on defense and it all comes together. You know, you start to get a little bit excited, but the East just looks a lot better this year. With um, it's, it, then you then you imagine we're fans of the 76ers. It, we could paint a much better story, I think. If we're fans of um, the the Bucks, you can probably paint a better story. I, I, I again, I think it comes down to like us being better than Miami, maybe the Wizards, and something breaks right where maybe one of Bucks, Indiana, Sixers, Raptors has some sort of injury that pulls them out of it. You know that that's the way that we kind of cl- claw our way up there to have a, a fun season. Uh, and by the way, uh, it's, and listening to some of the other podcasts, it just seems like, I know we harp on this a lot, but there's sort of a popular opinion that like, if you're in the, if you're in the middle trying hard, like, what are you even doing? Yeah. Like, well, what, seriously, what are you like? Just laughing hard. I almost feel like people are just like, just joy, gleefully laughing at anybody who isn't like a, a contender right now or in the process of tanking. Like it's, it's totally fine to be tanking. But I, I would, I, I am more excited for us this season than I would be if we were in the process of, you know, just like tanking until Andre's contract was over or something like that. Because, you know, what's the, what's, the, I guess the big difference is that maybe we come out the other side with more draft picks. But, you know, damn it, being a, like being in the playoffs, winning some games, and having a shot of going to the second round, to me, is worthwhile. Like that would be a fun season to have as a Pistons fan. Yeah, and. and- and unless you've traded all your future first-round picks to do that, you're, you've put yourself in a position to take another leap forward if you push all your chips in. Um, so what I yeah what I want to do is is get to that you know fourth, fifth, sixth seed peak with our current roster and be and then be in a position to like make a move, trade first-round picks and a player to get you know the next disgruntled Jimmy Butler type player and and take a leap. Yeah, and so we've we've already paid the price for Blake Griffin in this year's draft. We got all our first round picks going forward, and that that pick was taken. It, it by the Clippers. It was like the thirteenth pick or something. They took um, Jerome Robinson, shooting guard, uh, who's not very famous and may or may not be good. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on Jerome Robinson, and, and maybe we'll be we'll yeah. uh, rue that we will we'll have wished we hadn't done that, and we still have him, but. Um, you know, I'll mention in terms of our, our second round, we like, we traded two second round picks to be able to pick, was that to get Bruce Brown? I think, uh, I think Kyrie Thomas was the guy we traded up to get Bruce Brown was the guy we took with our own pick, but Bruce Brown, I feel like in, in the, he, he played some preseason and this is one of those things where it's, it probably sounds like me. I remember being excited about Spencer Dinwiddie four mm-hmm. seasons ago and he's actually turned out to be really good for the, but like he never was good for us. And, and that ended up being kind of false excitement, but I have this, I have this feeling about Bruce Brown being a, maybe a gem that we picked up for someone who is very competent and, and very lengthy for his, 
wingspan, just like a really good defender. Uh, you know, just having in the mix in our on our backcourt. So, yeah, he could end up being like a Marcus Smart type of you know come in and mess everything up on defense, mess up the other team on defense, and then like you have to kind of plan around him on your offense. You know, maybe he can contribute in fast breaks. I'm, I'm not sure if he can play if he can end up if he can play point guard on on lineups where Blake Griffin or so is, is handling the ball more or something. But that, that's the one thing is that we have like Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, and Reggie Bullock ahead of him in the rotation right now. So it's yeah. pretty far back. Yeah, I think we're hoping he can play a little point guard so that he can get some minutes and so that his size is more of an advantage instead of a disadvantage. Six five is great for a point guard and like kind of weak for a shooting guard. You know, maybe he could play some with some bench units that uh, where Luke Kennard's handling the ball a little more. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, and then Kyrie Thomas, he looks, you know, he's got a big wingspan and he looks like he has some potential. For I think for him it's all about can he make three-pointers at a decent clip. You know, second-round picks are always a flyer, but, you know, those two guys are well well-regarded second-round picks. They're not like first-round talents. They're just sort of like these guys have a chance a small chance of being good, which is what you're looking for in a second-round pick. Um, you, you know, I, I thought I would mention a couple things just from watching a couple preseason games. And we went to that that practice, that the open practice that the Pistons had uh, here in Ann Arbor, um, which was really fun. Uh, one thing we noticed was lineup-wise, um, Glenn Robinson and Stanley Johnson were playing a decent amount of power forward with backup units. Um, and part of that is because John Luer has been still like, he got over his ankle injury from last year, but then had a meniscus injury, I think in the off season. So the, um, poor John Luer is taking up so much cap space and not contributing. So maybe that was why, but you know, I've heard, I've heard people mention like, um, friend of the podcast, uh, Charles mentioned like Stanley should be playing more power forward. And we noted when we drafted Stanley Johnson, he's the, like the height and weight of a power forward. Um, he's a little short for power forward, but he's really solidly built. He's not wiry and thin. Um, so maybe he could, maybe he could be good as a power forward. We, uh, against bench units where they can't really, you know, he's not going to guard LaMarcus Aldridge, but, um, he didn't look that great in that practice scrimmage doing it. Like he was uh, like, didn't know how to play defense as a power forward, but you know, people can learn. So that, that's a wrinkle that we have is, Glenn Robinson played power forward in college, where he was a you know a little bigger. Here in Michigan, yeah, here 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 in Ann Arbor. So th- that's so, um, a little flexibility we have going forward. Um, hey, what have you seen? Uh, have you watched any preseason? What do you think? Of, uh, what are you seeing? Well, what I was seeing that I think I mentioned it a little bit already was just that we we had less um, difficulty having fluid offense with more options with, you know, not panicking by passing the ball around a bunch of times and having it throwing up a shot at the, at the last minute, just Blake Griffin looking decisive. Uh, I noticed Ish Smith making a bunch of threes in that last game and Reggie Jackson being able to play off the ball. Um, and the, the, yeah, just the, those are, that's what I noticed. I've only watched about a game and a half of the preseason, but yeah, I watched a couple games yet. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the offense I- it looks noticeably different, and I'm not like a coach or a scout where I really know what I'm what I'm looking for. But I did see a couple things like so a guy went up and pretended to set a pick, and then someone else set the pick, um, and stuff like that. And 
I don't know. That seems like that seems good. Like we're we're trying some innovative stuff. We're trying some trickery. We're we're not just gonna run you know charge the hill of let's do a high pick and roll with Reggie Jackson over and over and over again in a very um, uh, predictable way. So I just have the feeling that that's a good sign. But I mean I don't know. We'll, we'll, at this point, we're just hoping that Dwayne Casey brings something different, and that something different just happens to work. Yeah. Uh, I, I know one thing I noticed with with uh, Andre Drummond is that nothing struck me in terms of like his stated goals in the offseason coming to fruition. Like he, he missed every three he took, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in the preseason. But he did look like he was trying more of the time. Uh, it could just be he's excited for the preseason games, but his his level of effort looked consistent. He he didn't look like he knew. I, I got the same percentage of times where maybe he didn't know what he was doing on defense. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about that. Um, there also were times where he played like very, uh, I wish I would remember who he was guarding, but, uh, you know, just coming out to the perimeter and moving his feet and, and trying really hard on defense. That was good. Uh, but there also were times where, um, you know, someone ended up getting a layup and he was, uh, kind of nudging towards someone else who, who, you know, he, he didn't protect the rim uh, on a couple of occasions as well. But, um, yeah. But, but but one thing everyone's talking about his three point shot as if it's like one of the big things of the off season. I'm not that worried about it. To me, I think that the reason that it could be valuable and the, why he might have a green light to take a couple threes per game is that if he can get to a point where he can maybe take two or three a game and make 34 percent of them, that in itself would be pretty valuable, and that might be like all he is expected to, to, expected to do. He's not like camping out looking to pop out for threes like every possession, but you know just having. Having it be that he's not like we we have a complete uh, whoever's whoever's handling the ball is completely surrounded by someone who should take a wide open three. So if Andre Drummond turns out to be able to be a guy who can can take a wide open three and not have it be a bad possession that they just that they're hoping for, that would be an upgrade. But shouldn't be that. I don't think it's. I think it's been gotten too much play, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm hoping he takes like 1.2 attempts per game at most uh, ish from the in that range from, from three, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, it's not, it's a little overplayed. I think it's what got him excited. He thought it was fun to work on that in the off season and it got him in the gym. So that's good. Um, I, I thought the same thing as you, Carl is like interior defense, his instincts don't look better. Um, and he also, he's, he's still shooting a few push shots and hook shots on offense. So he's not like coming back being some sort of perfect, like bionic decision maker. But, you know, being inspired, being excited to get more attention with Blake Griffin on our team. Um, maybe he was sick of Stan Van Gundy. He, he said a few things like he 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 loves Stan and he wishes him the best and he was a great coach for us. But now we have a coach who will let people do what their strengths are or something like that. And, you know, maybe he's talking about Stanley Johnson. Maybe he's talking about, I don't know what he's talking about there. But if he's talking about Andre Drummond shooting long jump shots then that's not a good sign for us. Um, we'll see. So those are the like omens and portents uh, that, that we're seeing, uh, which is you know, probably not as good as just looking at the Vegas odds. No, yeah, actually, I just was looking up a quote. I think he said, uh, let me just look. He, he, there's a quote where he said, I got my shackles off, plain and simple. I'm able to play my game freely, freely and take shots I was supposed to take, and I know I can make if I can have fun with it. Um, so that's a little bit more of a strong. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that could just be if if he's happier and playing more freely, 
with more energy, that's a good thing. But if he thinks that means that he should be taking more shots than he was last season, that's maybe a bad thing. So I don't know. Like, um, there, there were, there were possessions again, like it happens that the game I watched the whole game of was against the Cavs without Kevin Love. So I, I don't think we should have the whole podcast be about it, but he, he took decisive moves when he got the ball deep in the post. Um, and you know he took a reasonable. I, I don't think he was a problem on offense. He's, he he said he had one game where he had like twenty eight points and fifteen rebounds in the preseason. And you know the, the the fifteen rebounds is more just like if he can continue to really try hard on that on the glass. Uh, that's that's really what we need from him uh, versus getting distracted with trying to be a focal focal point on offense. But um, anyway, I don't know. Maybe um, oh, you know what? Speaking of him on the glass. I looked. I looked into like how good is Andre really uh, on offensive rebounds, and you know I think there is a pretty good case that he's one of the all-time greats, uh, which is which is what I've been saying. He's he's one of the greats on on rebounding. It, it's just not quite. Uh, it's I'm not saying he's the best, but like if if you look at. Um, I think the key is to be at this point in his career, right? Like, it's not like if he died right now, he would die as one of the greats. But if you look at for the number of seasons he's played so far, he starts to he starts to come through. Because I, I think that after last podcast, uh, our, one of our other friends of the podcast, becoming friends of the podcast, uh, Michael Delp, was challenging me on that assertion a little bit and looked up some stats about all time. And he was looking more like a top, you know, in the top five of the past 10, 20 years kind of guy. But uh, or, five, or top ten years, but not like one of the best. But when you, you, you shared some stats recently, yeah. So his career offensive rebounding percentage, which is the how many of your team's misses that are reboundable, like a second free throw or a field goal, um, did did you get? It's sixteen and a half percent right now, and that would put him second all time on the BasketballReferences.com's leaderboard if he qualified. Um, and about halfway through the season, he's going to get to the number of minutes to qualify for that. Second only to Rodman. Um, and if you look at people in their first six seasons, uh, just in their first six seasons, he's third uh, all time in in um, you know minimum three hundred games played. And the reason the you know what what season you're in matters is I think younger guys tend to get more offensive rebounds um, because that's more their role. They have less responsibility and. Energy is more their asset and athleticism. So only Rodman and Moses Malone were better in their first six seasons. Um, and then I, I also think that he's doing it in an era where it's just a lot less. Um, the people are getting a lot less offensive rebounds because there's more three point shooting. If you look at um, total like league wide average offensive rebound rate over time, uh, it it has been going down consistently for, like, 15 years since the, like, you know, the Pat Riley Knicks era, like the slow ball era. People have been shooting more threes, and three-point misses are just less reboundable by big guys near the basket. And teams have also been um, going less for offensive rebounds. So he's putting up this Moses Malone, only beaten by Rodman and Moses Malone type offensive rebounding numbers in an era when teams are getting a couple percentage points less offensive rebounds because of that three-point shooting and uh, and stuff. So interesting. I, I stand by it. He's one of the all-time greats in the offensive glass. Yeah, I mean, maybe... I'm not going to rank him. Yeah, uh, I, I, we might have said something like he, he was the greatest human being to rebounder to ever walk the earth or something like that. But I, I, I said one of the. Yeah, I said yeah, one yeah. of the. Well, yeah, he, he's, he's a, one of the greats. I, I would agree with that. 
Uh, and and that's why, uh, again, going back to like why I hope he doesn't take more than like one three pointer per game is um, you don't even if he be, can become like a an acceptable bare minimum acceptable three point shooter, you don't take a guy who's one of the greats at one thing and put him into I guess it's not terrible if he does it roll far away from the basket right jack and threes. You know, there's a lot more that unlocks there. Blake Griffin uh, having open lanes to the basket and stuff like that. So if the coaches think it's worth doing and if it's what we need to do to motivate him, if he'll try harder on defense, if he gets to shoot his 1-3 a game, great, let's do it. So um, so did we make our – I think we got to make our official predictions. We've been dilly-dallying long enough. All right, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'll go first. I'll say, you know, if um, – if Reggie Jackson plays the whole season, we're going to win 45 games. And if he is injured for half the season or more, we're going to win uh, 39 games. And so that, that's so that's um, being weaselly to try to say two scenarios. I wanted to get those out there. I think that the 39-win scenario where Reggie is um, hurt for too much of the season and we have trouble getting our offense going because we only have one creator – is more likely. You just the history of injuries. Guys don't tend to go through a couple of injury plague seasons with a chronic issue and then come back and be great. It does happen, but if you know, if, gun to my head, uh, I guess I got to go with the um, the less hopeful. Some things break right, but um, crucially, Reggie Jackson's health being great is not one of them. So uh, I think. I think my official prediction is 39, even though I think um, even though I think that all these like better scenarios are entirely possible, and I you have a legit reason to hope for them. Yeah, I would put a little bit less of a to me. We have more risk uh, tolerance over injury with Blake here. So uh, if, in, if if Reggie goes down for as much as he did last season, it's not going to be. I think we. I think if 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 Reggie was injured for as much of the season as he was last year, we will, we will, will end with like 41 wins instead of um, 39 or something like that. So to me, that puts a little bit more of a floor on it. Um, and I think we can expect that between him and Blake's injury history that we'll have some sort of setback at some point. But our upside is higher this year, I think. Much higher. So I actually would be tempted to put us more at like 43 wins. Um and, and given that we predict that going into last season we predicted 42, there's a reason to believe that we're in better position than we were last year. That's kind of backward logic. We were wrong last year, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm basing it. But just as a as a optimistic fan who tries to be living in re- having at least one foot in reality, um, I would go with more like 43 wins. Um, okay. So maybe we have to average out the Brosane and. Uh, I think we do. We we haven't really had this uh, this position before, so. Yeah. Uh, the average of uh, 43 and 39 is 41. Yep. So uh, so in episode 41, we're going to have the official prediction be 41 wins. Uh, Carl's an optimist, and I'm a, I'm a pessimist on, on Reggie's injury history. Um, both of us are saying bet the over from th- uh, uh, Vegas' 37 and a half wins. And the sad thing is that both of those put us in the eighth seed. <laughs> and both of Right. So Charlotte's nipping at our heels. If they, if they're on, there's probably the Bizarro, Brosane, Charlotte fanboys out there <laughs> ma- making the same arguments about, you know, boy, you know, Kemba Walker has some talent around him now, and you know, Miles Bridges, uh, our rookie, is gonna, 
you know, light the world on fire. We got rid of Dwight and all these things. Uh, <laughs> Vegas has 35 and a half wins for them, but, you know, who knows? Uh, we got to fight them off from behind, too, as well as uh, setting our sights on Washington ahead of us. In Miami, so so yeah, so it's sort of a, 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 I guess that that's our sort of mean prediction. I would, I'm still hoping. What's getting me excited for this season is imagining us, uh, like you know, last year we started the first like 15 games like at the top of the East before things fell apart. That we were probably going at an unsustainable pace, but I remember that early in the season, like people were talking about us. We were in the power rankings. Kevin Felton was saying he was surprised. We we were the most surprising thing so far of the season, and yeah. that all goes away really quick when when everything hit the fan. But um, what's getting me excited about this season is is that we have a credible scenario where we could actually be you know forty five plus wins, like duking it out with the Bucks and the Wizards for like the fifth, maybe fourth seed kind of thing. So I think our official uh, motto on the Bros and Pistons podcast is: "So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, there better be because this is this is all we got for a couple of years." Um, uh, okay, so that to wrap things up, we have our first game on Wednesday versus Brooklyn. We're opening up versus uh, at home versus Brooklyn, then going to Chicago. Uh, we got Philly, Cleveland. So in those first four games, I really hope we can win the three or three out of those first four to kick things off because then we face Boston back to back. And uh, you know, we, if we start off like if we start off really poor against those those easier wins, it'll not be a good way to start the season, but we will see. And it'll be really fun to revisit when we have some, a lot more data in front of us about how our current team under Dwayne Casey performs. Go Pistons. Go Pistons.